0: What does a pharmacist do? Well, most people might answer that a pharmacist dispenses the medications that my doctor prescribes. Now, I work with a ton of great pharmacists, and one thing that I don't generally see is excitement about pills in a vial. And this is probably because pharmacists have been trained to do so much more. So what can you get excited about in your community? To find out, let's go beyond the scripts. Welcome back to Beyond the Scripts. I'm Will Tuft. And with us today, we have Scotty Sykes. Now, Scotty Sykes is somebody that uh, most of us who are out on the trade show circuit have probably recognized from uh, years of being out in the industry. Scotty, thanks for joining us.
1: Glad to be here, Will. Uh, appreciate you having me on today.
0: So uh, everybody watching, if you're watching the, uh, the uh, video feed or if you're listening, may probably recognize you, but also uh, be familiar with your family, huh?
1: That's right. We, uh, you know, Sykes a Company here, I've, uh, we've been doing pharmacies for about 35 years. Uh, my dad got started in it with uh, some local pharmacies. Uh, we went regional from there because we got kind of known for fixing troubled pharmacies, if you will. And from there, it just spread uh, nationally, and and here we are today with Pioneer RX. So it's been a it's been a, a fun ride, and uh, continues to to evolve and change, which which keeps it interesting.
0: Yeah, I was kind of wondering about that. You know, um, there are a lot of accountants out there, a lot of uh, financial advisors, and and financial uh, sectors and and specifications. How'd you end up in the and the pharmacy thing? Was it like? your dad was kind of hanging out at the coffee shop in the mornings, hearing the pharmacist complain or?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, this was a long time ago. This was before really a lot of insurances and 50% gross margins. Uh, So back in the late seventies, early eighties, and uh, he worked with a few local pharmacies here, uh, you know, and as a few, just a couple of his clients and he realized, hey, these guys make pretty good, good money here with these types of margins. And um, so he started kind of looking for other pharmacies and, and the word got out uh, the quality and quality work and the proactive, um, you know, approach that we take here. And uh, it it got out to some regional wholesalers. And uh, we started picking up some pharmacies that, we're looking for specific industry expertise and for pharmacy. And, um, and then we, we got with some national players and and got into some trade shows. And, um, that was, that's, that was about 2010 or so. Um, and then from there, it's really just taken off as, uh, as we've been, um, doing a lot of presentations and getting in front of the industry on accounting and ta- tax topics that are that are uh, relevant to pharmacies in particular. So um, it's, uh, that's kind of how it all, that's kind of how it all got going there.
0: It seems like it, like it's kind of a perfect fit, like kind of a natural formation because especially back then, uh, I feel like pharmacy programs probably didn't focus as much on the business end, on on the entrepreneurial end, the financial end. Uh, it seems like Years ago it was probably much more of a, you know, medical training only kind of thing.
1: Pharmacies out there in general need to see it because uh, if, if you're not seeing that opportunity, if you're not reaching out into different uh, areas in your practice and, and what you're doing, serving your patients and your community, uh, you know, just filling scripts is going to get you behind. So um, you, you got to evolve with the, the the times and and especially in in this day and age with the uh, post COVID, so to speak, and
0: Um, where we go from here. Yeah. I mean, in in the past few years, just with the pressure from PBMs and reimbursement and then, you know, COVID has made everything just um, that much more challenging in the past, you know, 12 months or so. Like it it really seems more important than ever that you can't just concentrate on being a pharmacist anymore. You really have to look at things in in a much larger scope if you're an independent pharmacist.
1: You really do. You have got to. You you just can't be a pharmacist out there filling scripts. Um, You know, unfortunately, we see a lot of pharmacies that are still doing that. They're not not looking at clinical services. They're not looking at other revenue opportunities or specializations. Uh, They're not vaccinating. Uh, You know, the list goes on and on. And these pharmacies are really going to have a hard time. And these are the pharmacies that, you know, frankly, you see um, shutting down or, or really complaining a lot or this or that, you know, the, the other side, is, the other side of the coin is these farmers, the, the other side is, is going to say, Hey, you know, margins are not doing well with filling scripts. I'm going to get into A, B and C. am um, going to, you know, do this by marketing to my community in this particular niche here. Uh, there's 50% margins with what I'm doing there. Um, and, and, you know, they're, they're just looking at it from a whole different lens. And I can tell you that, you know, with, with us looking at the books all day, every day for pharmacies, these pharmacies are really fueling their bottom line, let me tell you, their cash flow um, and, and they're, they're being entrepreneurial in, in their pharmacy. And that's the way you got to be. And, and these pharmacies are proving it with, with the numbers they're producing. In fact, we had a pharmacy I was talking to the other day that's going to be doing this this is crazy. He's got contracts with his community, the schools, and things like that. He's already done. He, he's planning to do about a million to million and a half in vaccine, vaccines vaccines uh, revenue um, between now and probably the summertime. Um, uh. You know that that <laughs> you talk about pushing to the bottom line that that's just insane what that pharmacy has been able to adapt and do and, and, and the success they're going to get from that. Um, and, and not only that, they're going to put their name out in the communities and so on and so forth. So, um, And then you have on the other side pharmacies that are not even doing back vaccinations or if they are, they're, they're not going after it as a, as a true revenue source. So um, there's just different mindsets out there and the pharmacy today, uh, we believe uh and and we see it with our clients is you know you got to be entrepreneur you got to be thinking outside the box
0: yeah i mean for a lot of pharmacists when they graduated pharmacy school when they when they got out of school vaccines weren't even a thing that pharmacists were doing yet and now it's such a major piece of 2021 that you know wow you know you're behind the eight ball if you uh you know if you're not doing that yet I mean, you really like you hear about all these pharmacists that are going out and finding that blue water, and that's really where they're 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 making that gap. Do you think that um, eventually, improving that themselves in this new area, you know, here and here and here? Do you think that you know NCPA's efforts fighting PBMs? Do you think there's going to be enough reform that while they're kind of filling that gap over here in the blue water and those new opportunities? that it's going to level out and get back to some of those more profitable margins that, you know, you and your dad saw in the past.
1: That's a really good question. And that's, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen there. Um, obviously what NCPA is doing and the other organizations that, um, and, and other pharmacies and other groups that are working hard to reform, uh, the actual prescription process, so to speak, and, and the paying paying process, um, is a, is a very good thing. I think the uh, what I think starting at the state level, which has been going on here now, um, is very positive. Whether something's going to have to eventually change, but to, to what degree and how that impacts pharmacy remains to be seen. But I think you just got to put the pedal to the metal. Um, and while, that, while, while that's happening, this is your chance to, to really, like, like we've been saying, kind of figure out what areas you can specialize in or, or how you can, um, you know, find yourself in the marketplace where you can coordinate care with other providers, uh, clinical type services, um, being that one stop shop for healthcare in your community. I think eventually that's where it's all going to go, and uh, I think that's what pharmacies need to start building that foundation right now and and wh- whatever happens with the prescription side, Lord only knows you know with the, with the with the power in play you know the the power of these these organizations have and getting anything through Congress
0: on a federal level
1: is is uh you know your guess is as good as mine,
0: yeah it'll be interesting to see it's i mean that's one thing that it's a big topic that everybody kind of hears about prescription drug prices and this and that but most people in the world just have no idea how the the copay that appears on their receipt gets there and and there's just you know that's definitely one of the problems but so there there's a lot of uh uh, a lot of things to complain or worry about out there for sure, but there's a lot of pharmacies that are doing really well and so they're growing. You guys have uh, a couple webinar series that kind of focus on that. You guys have courses that are helping pharmacies buy, sell, grow. Um, so you've really kind of tailored some some tools in those markets. What are you seeing out there with, you know, pharmacies that are doing well, that are growing? The pharmacies that are opening new locations you know how how much of that are you seeing what are they doing different is it just uh is it a mindset you know i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna buy while uh while, while the opportunity is prime right now
1: well if we're talking about buying pharmacies what we're seeing is we're seeing a lot of the boomers continue to hold
0: on to their stores they're not really
1: getting out um they're not retiring so we're seeing a actually a lot of startups because you know, these, these pharmacy schools are pumping them out. Um, they're tired of working at Walgreens They're tired of working at CVS, uh, and being a number there. So they, uh, and they can't find a pharmacy to buy. So they we're seeing a, a kind of an uptick in pharmacies, uh, to start up, which obviously is a very unique, uh, situation that requires a lot of planning and due diligence, uh, because the, the risk, um, for a startup is, is much higher. So, but, but we are seeing an uptick in startups. We do see, uh, when, when buying opportunities are out there, we're seeing those, uh, really get snatched up pretty quickly. Um, so, so there's folks out there that want to, to be in pharmacy, want to, um, you know, implement their ideas and and what they think, um, they can bring to the community and to their patients um, as far as, um, you know, doing things other than filling scripts. And when, when we talk about what pharmacies are doing to be success, successful, it's, it is, uh, not just filling those prescriptions. It's, it's, uh, you know, functional medicine, compounding, uh, you know, taking advantage of the vaccination programs that, that they're, Putting in place now, maybe expanding that to other areas. Flu, point of care type testing, um, maybe even doing uh, OTC niche stuff. Maybe some supplements that hey, you know, you got this shot here, or I'm going to give you this medication, but this is going to drop your xxx, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And so here's a supplement to um, to to counterbalance that, and and there's a fifty percent, sixty percent margin on that supplement. So. It's that entrepreneurial, you know, mindset that these pharmacies have. Uh, you know, going back to what you mentioned, it's it, it is a mindset that these these pharmacies have, and you really have to have going forward from this point.
0: Yeah, it's um, you know, a few years ago we uh, we identified these enhanced services, and uh, anymore it's like a lot of these are not enhanced services anymore. These are essential services that if you're not doing. You know, you're behind the curve again. You need to really, you know, move forward with with uh, with those offerings. I know CPESN has been, you know, huge in just making a lot of those things so much more commonplace. Um, you know, really, it's like those are essential services now. That's what I always say about MedSync. If you're not doing it, you need to start that immediately because it's such a, a an opening path for everything else that you need to be doing in your pharmacy.
1: Yeah, for sure, uh, and it's actually really exciting. You know, it's it's exciting because you know this industry's it's always changing. It's been changing for a long time, but um, you know maybe it, the the change has never never been maybe more so than it is now with, with COVID. I, I think COVID uh, pushed uh, pharmacy forward a couple years, otherwise. So it's it's really exciting to see. The opportunity, the, the hard work that uh, a lot of folks are out there doing to, to get pharmacies, um, you know, out there to, to be the uh, so, so-called provider, and, uh, to coordinate care with other providers, to get paid for, for some of that care, um, to, to get paid for outcomes rather than just, um, you know, here, check the box, we did that. So it's it's kind of it's, it's exciting to see where pharmacies can fall or pharmacists can fall into this uh, future. And and, um, you know, that gets me excited. That gets me excited about the future in pharmacy. And um, so we'll, we'll just have to see. But uh, again, it's it's, um, you know, just filling those prescriptions sitting behind the counter all day is not going to get you there. Um, but, you know, like you said, we'll, uh, you know, there's things you can do on the prescription side that will maximize what you are doing there, which is obviously MedSync, um, inventory management, managing receivables, um, you know, managing staff levels. You know, there's no reason why you can't be a profitable pharmacy just filling scripts, but it's going to be a lot harder.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Uh- you can't lose track of the fundamentals, you know, that's never going to go away, but, but it's, you have to do so much more now. So with all of the, uh, opportunities that have come with COVID really, I mean, for pharmacy, that's one of those few businesses that, you know, have been able to really show their value and, and practice at the top of their game during the, uh, the COVID, uh, crisis, I guess, pandemic. But, um, Along with that visibility, the, those opportunities to engage local businesses, local um, community groups, you know, through vaccinations, there's probably some interesting growth opportunities that are available. I know the government has had so many different financial kind of assistance programs. You know, are you seeing pharmacies leverage those programs in any way right now to help grow?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Will. Um... You know, going off of what we've been talking about, which is kind of, you know, you got your foundation with uh, prescriptions, but looking elsewhere to other areas, you can grow revenue and having, and and I've said this as, as bad as COVID has been, the relief programs that pharmacies have been able to attain through that have somewhat been a blessing in disguise because this is cash flow. That these pharmacies have been able to add to their balance sheets to really give them um, uh, an additional leg to really then grow off of with these other uh, revenue opportunities or, or maybe venture into other areas um, that they can focus on. And, and a strong balance sheet with a, with a strong cash flow is going to help you do that a little easier. Um, than otherwise you would have because instead of just trying to manage that cash flow, manage that cash flow, um, you know, you're not really going to be putting 100% effort into maybe these other revenue ideas or programs you want to implement. So that, that cash infusion from the PPP, um, which is essentially just cash, most pharmacies, 99% pharmacies receive that cash uh, from the PPP, Essentially, it's going to be all forgiven. You're not going to have to pay it back. Um, it's tax-free, essentially. Um, so that was just an influx of cash into these pharmacies. Then you had the EIDL program. Some pharmacies got that. Uh, the EIDL grants. Uh, there's some credits out there um, for your employees that you were able to attain, um, and so on and so forth. So this, it's really been this. The, these relief programs have been really. Um, Uh, you know perfect timing in my in my idea where you know these these balance sheets are are building up and and then you can grow off of that um, you know in the future this year into next year and so on so um, you know and the tax benefits they've thrown out there in addition to um, is just preposterous really uh, which has been keeping us busy but uh, there's there's plenty of cash out there. And these relief programs that pharmacies should have been able to obtain. And uh, like I said, a strong balance sheet. You can do a lot. You got a lot of leverage with a strong balance sheet.
0: Yeah. You mentioned the PPP uh, program. I think pretty much everyone's heard of that. You mentioned another one that was the IDL. What was, uh, I don't guess I'm familiar with that one.
1: That's the Economic Injury Disaster Loan. So that is actually a loan. Uh, It was up to 150. Now they expanded it to 500,000. But that is a loan at three and three quarter interest rates of so very favorable terms. There are conditions on how you use those funds. So you do have to manage that. Um, but uh, you, you pay it back over 30 years. Payments don't start until January of 2022. Uh, so, if, you know, if, if you meet those requirements, which pretty much anybody could essentially, um, you could get you could get your hands on a EIDL loan. Uh, Of course, there's terms and conditions you need to understand about that. But, um, yeah, so uh, there's the employee retention tax credits, uh, which most pharmacies are not going to be eligible for. But I got to mention it because they're very significant in terms of relief and and cash flow. Um, So we've been taking a look at that. Um, You know, there's changes with the tax where. You can pretty much do 100% write-offs, 100% depreciation. You can go back and make those changes when the rules weren't that way years past. For example, if you had USP 800 upgrades or some serious improvements to your pharmacy. So there's just a whole list of, of ways uh, pharmacies can get that extra cash.
0: Yeah. I mean, what about uh, drive-through accommodations, curbside accommodations, all of those different practices that pharmacies had to kind of immediately learn and start doing and, and figure out, you know, is there some, some, uh, relief in that area? You know, that's, that's a good question. The employee's
1: retention tax credit, uh, you know, essentially that was not on our radar at all, uh, in 2020, because if you got a PPP, you really couldn't get the ERTC credit. And uh, they changed that at the very end of 2020 with the uh, Consolidated Appropriations Act. So all of a sudden we're like, OK, what is this credit? Because, again, 99 percent of pharmacies got the PPP. We didn't really focus on the ERTC. But when we look at the RTC, you have to have to qualify. You have to have a 50 percent drop in revenue um, quarter over quarter. So 2020, 2019, uh, which most pharmacies did not. So you're not going to see a drop in revenue like that. Um, Of course, if you did, there's no requirements that it's due to COVID. It could be really due to anything uh, that's reasonable. I mean, uh, you can't, you know, be split up a company or something like that, but um, so a 50% drop in revenue or uh, you experienced a shutdown uh, and that's where it gets really subjective. Uh, You're going to have to really dig into the weeds there, but essentially, Uh, Most pharmacies were required to stay open and uh, going and voluntarily closing your doors, which many pharmacies may have done, um, according to the IRS, is probably not going to get you qualified there. But um, we had an instance where a pharmacy uh, to maintain social distancing uh, had to cut a staff member, a technician, um, and obviously that impacted uh, his operations. And uh, pretty significantly uh, when you're down at tech. And um, so we were, you know, we're exploring the credit there. Or if, if you have an instance where uh, a, res- a pharmacy has a cafe or a gift shop and that was required to close, oh, you, could, yeah. you could find an eligibility window there. Um, so, again, these credits are very substantial. Uh, so uh, just something to be have on your radar for sure.
0: Gotcha. So uh, a lot of pharmacies out there, probably, you know, if you get that PPP loan, uh, that money has to be spent in a certain way, right?
1: That's right. You got to use it on payroll costs, which can be uh, pretty much wages uh, and health insurance is also included in that. And then you got to use it for or at least um, 60 percent has to be payroll. The other 40 percent can be um, rent, utilities, those kinds of things. Um, But most pharmacies, uh, you have 24 weeks, uh, what they call the cover period to use those funds. So most pharmacies will easily be able to use that up for payroll. Um, But if we're talking about the ERTC credit, employee retention tax credit we just talked about, you have to do you have to time those two programs on what you're claiming and how you're claiming those wages because you cannot double dip on wages. So I can't claim PPP forgiveness on Wages here and claim the credit on those same wages. I'm, I'm claiming forgiveness on. So you do have
0: to. There's some planning involved when we're talking about the, the two programs. Sure. So a lot of pharmacies uh, have probably seen, you know, change in day supply, a um, little bit change, a little bit of change and what kind of prescriptions they're getting for a little while. Uh, but overall, I feel like claim volume isn't down that significantly. So if there's this pot of money over here that needs to be spent in a specific way, theoretically that's going to free up some other, uh, some other funds that that pharmacy has available. So in 2021, if uh, a good friend of yours, a client comes to you and says, Hey, I've got some, you know, uh, some freed up funds at my pharmacy, where should I focus that tool?
1: It really is going to depend on, uh, you know, each unique situation, obviously, but, um, uh, you know, we like to see, I, I like to see a, a, a cat or a current ratio on the balance sheet of about two and a half, three to one. If there's excess, I want to see it closer to three to one. So when we get a three to one current ratio, that's where I'm going to be comfortable. So if we're, uh, if we're, if this cash is Gotten this current ratio? Which current ratio is current assets about by current liabilities? So, if it's three to one, you have three dollars of cash receivables and in inventory for every one dollar of current debt. So that that that's a liquidity ratio in a pharmacy, and we all know cash is king in a pharmacy. So, if you're at three to one, you have a nice little cushion there, uh, and that's where I want to see a pharmacy. Now, if we if if that current ratio gets five, six, seven plus to one, which is Pretty rare, but it does happen with little debt or something like that. Um, then we're going to look at um, maybe uh, leveraging it inside the pharmacy, or even going as far as retirement—some some high-powered retirement plan options—to um, sock away that cash and lower their taxable income. So, um, great question. But uh, I would take away from that: get to that three-to-one current ratio. Um, is is your number one goal. Once you get there, Hey, you know, see, see what opportunities can come up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, is, is that, does that open the door to make big improvements in the pharmacy? What if, you know, my debt to income ratio is pretty good. Is that when I should say, Hey, I've really been thinking about some automation or man, we could really use a new delivery vehicle and, and kind of double on those, uh, benefits of reinvesting into the business oh absolutely
1: absolutely so yeah if you've got that nice current ratio you you can look at those other opportunities you know a new vehicle or an an additional vehicle um adding some automation uh as you know if you're adding a robot or something like that you can finance it uh reasonable terms generally speaking that's not going to put a huge damper on your cash flow um you'll be able to write off that whole script system or whatever you whatever you're financing. Um, pretty much in the year you put it into use. So the, the tax laws are very generous there. Uh, you can write off uh, really any equipment, um, as it stands right now with tax law. So, um, yeah, obviously, you know, if you've got that current ratio, you're, you're going to be able to, to see other areas that you can invest in your pharmacy and, um,
0: yeah absolutely yeah so how how does that break down i know if you know anytime you see that big price tag uh automation obviously is is not the uh it's not a a low ticket item you know it's a it's expensive technology uh how do you kind of get past that sticker shot can you like talk me into buying a uh, some automation for my pharmacy. Talk me into making that $500,000 or that $250,000 purchase.
1: Well, first of all, we got, we got to know where you stand currently. So I I need to know what, what your fundamentals are. And and this goes back to kind of what our our firm is is fundamental to, which is fundamental accounting. I need to know, I need an accurate balance sheet. I need an accurate P and L. I need all the balances tied in. Once I have the data um, that I can trust, um, because most pharmacies out there don't have the fundamental accounting in place, which is really unfortunate. Um, but it's 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 true. And so we have to get that fundamental data in place. Then we can look and say, all right, what is our current ratio? What, what does our debt structure look like right now? Can we afford more debt? Um, do we need to focus on every other things first before we can kind of look at automation at this point? So we, we kind of go through that exercise. Once we have a grip on the things we're working on or we're improving or we've made the adjustments, uh, then we can say, all right, now let's look at this automation piece. Um, and, and, uh, and that could involve, obviously, um, you know, if you're talking about a $250,000 piece of equipment, um, uh, we're going to look at you know, financing it, financing that out. Uh, we're going to look at those terms, you know, a lot of a lot of the um, capital leases, if you will, with these financing agreements, they don't they may not be clear on the uh, on the interest rates. You need to be checking those interest rates. You need to run the amortization schedules, work with your CPA to do that, to know what kind of interest rate you're being charged. But um, that, that's just one piece we're going to look at. Uh, and then and again, we're going to we're going to try and term that out with reasonable rates and, and make sure that the pharmacy could could afford that payment, which uh, which hopefully they could. Um, but we're also going to look at the, the debt structure in the pharmacy as a whole. You know, are they using a lot of credits? Uh, are they meant do they constantly have a lot of credit maxed out? Do they have three or four car loans and then two or three? Uh, Mid short term loans. You know what can we do to consolidate to get debt restructured in the pharmacy to ease the cash flow burden to cut down on interest interest expense um, to to lower that payment. Um, and so those are all things we're
0: going to be looking at to, to before we really uh, make an investment uh, of, of that magnitude. And I guess you'd also have to consider your staffing costs because if you're getting that automation in your pharmacy you may not need to take on that additional technician. Um, so, I mean, that's that's definitely something to factor in too. You know, maybe instead of hiring, you know, another technician, you look at a more clinical employee joining your team and that uh, automation together, it seems like you're getting, you know, a, a lot of bang for the buck there. So. Right. We we do
1: see where the automation will cut a, uh, about a tech and a half over, um, you know, after the first three months, it's in use. If the workflow and the processes are there, like it's designed, um, if you, if you just put it, if you just put the automation in and you kind of just like, all right, let's figure this thing out and let's go with it. You know, you gotta have a plan of action when you're putting in automation, you know, what's your goal? What are you trying to do? You're trying to cut that tech out of there. How are we going to do it? You know, it's, you gotta think about these things, but for sure. We see pharmacies, uh, with the With the goal of of really trimming a staff member and and as we all know uh outside of your cost of goods, your payroll is going to be your second highest expense, so anything we can do to trim that payroll down is going to feed to your bottom line
0: yeah, or you know if you have that power tech at your pharmacy you know it's not necessarily cutting that tech but being able to utilize that technician and a much more uh, productive use. You know, if, if a robot can do something your technician is doing, maybe, you know, there's a better use for that technician with all of those different enhanced services that, that they could be taking on if they could just free up that technician. So, Exactly. Yeah, it's kind of a, kind of a big picture to, to look at, but I, I feel like really 2021 might be the best year to make that plunge to have those funds available, to have those tax benefits available. Um, seems like seems like there's never been a better time.
1: Yeah, I, you know, certainly. Again, uh, the relief programs, stronger balance sheets. Hopefully a lot of these pharmacies didn't just take the money out of the pharmacy, <laughs> which sometimes <laughs> you see uh, they say, oh, I got money in the bank and pull it out. No, 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 no. Um, you know, get to that current ratio. Get where get get your balance sheet, get your pharmacy healthy. Whatever is a little left over, okay, great, you've earned it. But, um, you, you know, don't don't put yourself back into into the trouble of cash flow issues. Um, but again, you're right. Now, now's now's as good a time as any to, to to think about automation for sure.
0: Yeah, those those new Corvettes are really really cool, but. Call, call Parada, call RxSafe, call, <laughs> look into automation. I've seen, I've seen Porsches, I've seen RVs, I've
1: seen airplanes <laughs> on depreciation schedule. So we've seen pretty much everything out there. Uh, don't, don't be one of those, those, uh, those guys.
0: Yeah. You know, I was talking to my son the other day about that. Um, you know, it, I love the trend that it seems like conspicuous spending right now is not cool. It's, you know, like when, when I was a kid, it seemed like that was a very celebrated thing. And now it's kind of like,
1: <laughs> right, right. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll, see a few Teslas out there, uh, you know, um, but, uh, you know, my favorite thing is getting one of those, you know, regular old vehicles and wrapping it with vinyl and having your advertising out there. And you got two or three of those scooting around your community all day long with your advertising. Um, you know, that's very inexpensive thing to do. I love it. gets your name out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely making your pharmacy stand out driving around in traffic every day is, uh, it seems like a real, real easy way to build that brand recognition. Easy. So right now we're in tax season. Everybody's kind of like, you know, if they haven't done their taxes already, it seems like we focus on tax season in December when it's too late to do anything. Uh, Now, here we are coming into mid-year, the the people that have you banging your head against that brick wall behind you in December, (laughs) what would you tell them, you know, mid-year, hey, do this so that December is much easier on you?
1: Yeah, so um, thankfully we work with clients where we don't have that model, so All our clients come October, November, December. They have a idea of what uh, April 15th is going to look like. Uh, So we're doing these proactive planning really all year. So we'll start 2021 proactive planning pretty much right after summertime. We'll start rolling projections out and seeing what we can do for for the year to minimize taxes. Because all the bulk of tax planning is going to come before the end of the year. After you, after you reach the end of the year, and, and if you're if you're right now looking at your 2020 information, hey, what can I do to lower help me out <laughs> for 2020? Your options aren't you don't have a lot of options. So, um, you know, proactive planning first, but to get there, you got to have that fundamental accounting in place, and uh, that requires full accrual balance sheets. Your your tax returns are tied into your accounting file. You've got the uh, processes in place for daily weekly monthly adjustments for receivables inventory counts payable uh, All your notes are tied in your your margins are, are tied in pretty pretty frequently with some uh, good solid inventory numbers um, You know you're getting DR fees in there to know what, what's going on there Your payroll is reconciled So all those things really give you that fundamental information to say all right. This is where we are on a real basis what do we need to do to to mitigate taxes? So anybody out there that's scratching their head, looking back at 2020, start with the fundamentals, get that in place and, and, and get, you know, get with someone who can help you do some proactive planning.
0: Yeah, I know that's one of those things that um, I, I see, uh, like Benjamin Jolly out there just he loves digging into the DIR fees and everything. And it's almost like a a whole, um, you know, additional job description at the pharmacies. But, um, you know, there's a lot that, man, it happens behind the scenes. And if you're not really going out proactively looking for it, it's happening to you instead of just uh, happening in the background. Right,
1: yeah. You know, DIRs, uh, we see, last year we saw average about 2.6% of revenue was DIR fee. Um, maybe, maybe a little closer to 3%, but that's what we saw with our group of pharmacies. Uh, and what we saw our pharmacies doing was they were managing their star ratings to the best they could five stars, as much as they could get that star rating as high as possible. We even had some pharmacies that actually, if like for going back to the automation, if they had that automation in place, they had an extra tech, they put that tech to use, um, you know, managing that DR fee in the back office, so to speak, um, and, and doing whatever they could to, to manage that, um, the star ratings or the med sync and all that kind of thing that impact that. So we've seen pharmacies, um, or in other words, there's a little more control over DR fees than I think a, a lot of pharmacies think. And, and we have pharmacies that um, have shown us that's the case with, with the, uh, you
0: know, DRs and the two to, 3% range um, when we look at it as a whole for last year. Yeah. I mean, open enrollment is such a big opportunity to hit that. If, uh, if that technician, instead of filling scripts, let the automation do that and let's concentrate on open enrollment uh, coaching, make sure we're moving those patients to the right plan for them, finding those win-win opportunities. There's just so many opportunities if you are really maxing your staff and, and letting them practice at the top. Um, so I mentioned the brick wall behind you. Uh, I was going to ask you about that. I love that old building you're in.
1: Yeah, this is our famous building. Uh, you know, all our videos, we do hundreds of videos. We probably have thousands of videos out there on tax accounting stuff, advisory stuff for pharmacies. And, and, uh, we do it right here in this old brick building, the old peanut mill in Edenton, North Carolina, five story, actually tallest building in Edenton, five story old peanut mill on the, uh, Register of Historic Places, and uh, there's still peanut shells from the 1800s stuck in some of these uh, <laughs> some of these beams here. But uh, it's pretty neat.
0: Yeah, that's uh, one of the things that I loved going to, and uh, you know, I spent years as an installer, and I would go out and and do a lot of the installations on. Uh, pharmacies opening up on like the square and and small towns uh, across America and I it's always so cool to go into those old historic buildings you know uh, I can't tell you how many pharmacies I've been into where the uh, the old bank vault is their control cabinet yeah yep <laughs> yeah it's pretty cool um so are you guys uh i don't know so to take on like a uh a restoration project like that architecturally is that like a one off thing that you guys did or Are you guys kind of into old stuff? Do you have old cars, stuff like that?
1: Well, uh, Edenton, North Carolina was actually the first capital of North Carolina and it never got burned during the civil war. So quick history lesson. Um, We have Edenton's home to a lot of historic homes uh, from the 1700s, 1800s. A lot of signers of the declaration were from here. There's uh, old plantation homes here. I mean, it's this place is a really a historic gym, Edenton is, and so we wanted to fit um, this building to to match our community. Um, so uh, you know, we we rehabbed it and got uh, we got a bunch of tax credits while we were at it because there was a lot of rehab historical structure tax credits, which there's still some out there for those looking at some uh, old pharmacies. But um, that's kind of how we decided to go about it. Uh, We do have some uh, folks here who specialize in these historic structures and and getting them uh, rehabbed, if you will.
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah, I I love that look.
1: I think uh, we got the oldest house here in North Carolina that's been identified from 1708 or something like that.
0: Right down the street
1: from here. Yep.
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah. So you mentioned that there's five stories there. So uh, I'm guessing it's not a two man operation there. If you have five stories of the building. (laughs) Right.
1: So we're on four stories here. uh, And on the first floor, we have a gym. So uh, we've got a gym to keep us all busy. But uh, at one point we had about, I don't know, 40 people here, about six mobile and somewhere around there. But now with COVID, we're down to, let's see, we may have 10 people here now and the rest are mobile out of about 46 folks. Oh, wow. Okay, maybe, so maybe 12 are here, yep.
0: So you guys have a pretty, pretty large team. So if any pharmacies out there, uh, you know, looking for some financial assistance, some some financial guidance, rather. Um, plenty of people there to answer the phones in, huh?
1: We, we got a large team, again, uh, I think it's about 46, last I counted, about 13 CPAs. Uh, all we do is pharmacies. so this whole team is pharmacy only. And, um, so, uh, it it keeps us busy for sure.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask you too, um, when you joined up into the family business there, was there ever any, uh, reluctance was, was your father like, Hey, come on, you got to join the family business or were you like, dad, I want to, I want to be a BMX racer. I don't want (laughs) to, I don't want to be an accountant.
1: (laughs) Well, if I could do one thing else, I would be a a golfer. I'm quite a golfer, so I would have done that, uh, but didn't quite make the cut. Uh, But anyway, so no, you know, my dad, I have two older brothers. They didn't want to carry on the family business. Back when I decided, hey, I think I'm I'm pretty good at accounting and tax. I think I'm gonna, I think I'm just gonna go uh, work for for dad and see see what happens and. So I went for it. And, uh, you know, my dad didn't pressure any of us to do anything with with Sykes and Company here. He just let us make our own minds on all that. um, So I I made the decision. I wanted to maybe carry on the business one day. None of my other 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 brothers made that call. So I I jumped on it. And um, ever since I really got on board, that's about the time. Uh, not soon thereafter, we really went national on a national basis. And so it's uh, it's really been a wild ride ever since. It's <laughs> been awesome. fun. It's been fun. Except for this year, this COVID thing has been definitely the hardest. Uh, I'm not complaining, but it's been the most difficult time in my career uh, navigating $7 trillion worth of new legislation. Um, thankfully, I can say that When I look at legislation, when I'm looking at all things that are going through Congress and what's new, I look at it from the lens of pharmacy. So I can uh, thank my lucky stars that that's the case, because if we were dealing with 50 industries here, there's no doubt about it. Uh, Most of those industries would would miss out on something because you, there's no way you can keep up. There's just no way. So that's one of the great things about uh, Sykes and company. And, and what we do is we focus only on pharmacy. And so when we're looking at all these changes and this past year, was a great example of that. We're, we're saying, all right, what's in this thousand page bill, what does it mean for pharmacy? So, um, that that's fun, but it also gives us that unique, um, perspective on things.
0: Yeah. Which, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine, um, Trying to deal with multiple industries. So I mean, pharmacy is such a, its own animal, and and it seems it seems like every week it's a a new thing too. It, it it wasn't like hey here's the plan, run with it. It seems like every week it's here's the plan now. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, and
1: uh, I need a break. I haven't had you know, there had not been a break since. You know, we started uh, tax season 2019 back in January, and we were in uh, tax season when March hit with COVID. Uh, so it has not stopped until uh, well, I can't even remember. But um, it'd be nice if they just kind of Congress and everybody just took a little break here and, and gave us some time to breathe. A lot of CPAs out there, so you know, uh, for I, I just give our industry a shout out, the CPA community. They they've been all of all of a lot of them out there have been working tirelessly for, uh, the financial health of their clients and, um, uh, for, for, the, in their communities. And so, um, we're kind of not looking for any shout out or anything like that, but they, they've been working hard behind the scenes for sure.
0: Yeah. I'm going to see, see what I can do about lobbying for like a, a CPA golf assistance day or something, <laughs> maybe part of that next package. <laughs> That'd be nice. Hey, this has
1: been kind of a little break for me. So I, I appreciate uh,
0: having me on today. Well, I I imagine your phone's been uh, stacking up calls over there. So I'm going to let you get back to work. Uh, Anybody out there who has not checked out your website, you want to send them over there. I know you have so many great uh, resources on there, the podcasts, uh, you have like a a university program. Uh, Tell me a little bit about what's on your website before I let you go.
1: Yeah. So we have, uh, you know, we have, hundreds of media resources, articles, videos, uh, we're constantly putting stuff out there. So there's uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel or anything like that to get those videos updated. Um, when we push them out, but, um, uh, you know, our services, who we are, all that good stuff. And, um, of course you can schedule a call with me there, uh, just by going to schedule a call, a link at the very top of the homepage and be happy to take your call, see what we can do to help you. And, um, uh, yeah, so, Will, I appreciate you, you having me on today. It's been a pleasure and uh, always a pleasure to work with Pioneer. Uh, obviously, most of our clients are with Pioneer, and, and that is our preferred vendor, I might add, when with, uh, with, well, we're doing the accounting side of things. So uh, you guys do a, a great job there.
0: Yeah, we happen to have some really, really great reports and, and great financial uh, support staff here too at Pioneer Rx for anybody that's listening that isn't on Pioneer Rx yet. Um, so also uh, want to make sure everybody knows it's S-Y-K-E-S. Uh, just go to Google, look up Sykes and Company, and you'll find the the Facebook page and the YouTube page and all that fun stuff. I'll let you get back to it. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully I'll see you soon out on the the trade show circuit.
1: Yeah, I hope so. Uh- well i'm I'm ready i'm ready to get back out of there
0: all right tell everybody we said hi and i'll talk to you later thank
1: you Will. take care
0: thank you for listening to this episode of beyond the scripts presented by the catalyst pharmacy podcast if you enjoyed this episode please support our channel by liking subscribing and clicking the notification bell so that you'll be notified anytime we post new content to stay up to date with all of the latest independent pharmacy news and content, follow Pioneer RX on your preferred social media platform.